You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 164. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. It is an honor and privilege to have you here. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, review on whatever streaming app you are listening to me on. It really super duper helps the algorithm. Introduce my show to those who've never heard it before. And based off the numbers I am receiving on the back end, uh, clearly this show has begun to resonate even more and more with y'all out there. Um, Still being downloaded by over 100 countries a month or episode. I have no idea how that happened, but I just want to say as we finish up the year 2022, how um, honored and privileged I am to have been on this journey with you for so long. I hope that those of you getting ready to go into the college experience have enjoyed this as much as those of you in the college experience and those who will graduate from the college experience. I still hope that you find some level of enjoyment and growth opportunity when you listen to these episodes. I have another podcast called From Sobriety to Recovery. It talks a lot about emotional intelligence and human needs and communication and it just everything we talk about on here. It's just framed more for those who are working their way from addiction into sobriety and recovery. Um, for those of you who have um, picked up some vices in college, those of you who have um, begun to struggle with depression and addiction and just emotional management in general, I highly encourage you to go over and check out that show as well. There is amazing topics being discussed. And while it is framed around this idea of sobriety and recovery, um, we don't spend a lot of time, I don't spend a lot of time um, harping on the addiction aspect of it because that is something that humans have been battling with and dealing with since we were first, you know, in the caves. Um, Our minds are built to create habits and we follow loops and we're programmed with things from our childhood that we now have to contend with in our adulthood. And so it's not a podcast that sticks on the addiction aspect. It's the podcast that provides the hope and the growth and the information that you can use in your actual life to become the version of you that you've always wanted to be. And that's what you're doing in college. That's that's it's you leave the comfy confines of your home when you're very young. Um, you know, you think very young doesn't sound like something that you would say about yourself at you know, 18 or 22 or whatever. But I can assure you, having now reached the ripe old age of 46, that what I thought I knew then versus what I do know I know now and what I'm absolutely sure I still have yet to learn, uh, it changes so much. And there's so much growth that you're going to achieve, not just in college and, and once you graduate, but in just the general course of your life. And I'm just so encouraged by what I am seeing in those of you who reach out. And uh, in general, I understand that coming out of COVID, we have had a lot of pressures and stressors upon us. Um, you know, it's, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube is, is a 
euphemism is an analogy, a metaphor, if you will, that um, I have sort of latched on to since I heard it coming out of COVID that so much about society has changed, right? We've got a lot more um, stay-at-home jobs, a lot of a lot more of that telecommuting thing where you don't have to necessarily be in the office all of the time. Job requirements have changed. The level of expertise or knowledge around technology has shifted. So now people who never even heard of Zoom uh, pre-pandemic are absolutely comfortable using it now. And no doubt in college for those few years, for those of you who are attending, you understand what it's like to take classes online now, whereas before that was not something that you signed up for. That was not why you went to college, was to take classes online. And now we're very adept at it. And absolutely, we can now understand how important it is for the college atmosphere, for that environment, for people to be around each other. There's a um, Instead of taking that kind of thing for granted, I bet you there's an embracing of it now. I remember whenever the pandemic was in its full fledgings, like those first few months, one of my um, peers contacting me and saying, I think that, you know, and we'll see this being the end of colleges. As we know them, there will no longer be the Greek system and the student, you know, um, government and all that stuff because all colleges are going to move online. And I immediately came back and was like, no way, no way. There's people will not want to give up the college experience, which is being around everyone, living in the dorms, living on a street where 100% of the people are college students and renting and, you know, walking from party to party on a Friday night and going to football games on a Saturday afternoon. And that's going to, that if anything, that's going to be seen as even more special and amazing than it was previously, where we were taking it for granted. Now we don't. And there's a lot of things that we may have taken for granted um, back in the day that we don't any longer full grocery shelves and a lack of issues with our supply chain and <laughs> our energy consumption. And so many things have shifted in us as a society over these last few years. Um, and whether they're better or worse, we haven't, we haven't gotten far enough away from this to really know what the um, growth moments will be in society and what will really end up paining us bringing out about pain. And we look at um, so many of the youth, those that were, let's say, five to 10, who are still trying to figure out social skills and getting used to being in school and following a class schedule, who missed out on that for a couple years, depending on what state or country you're in, you might still be missing out on some of those things. And how is that going to affect the development of children? And what will that look like in 10, 20 years when, you know, pandemic babies are finally hitting 18 or those who are five when it started are now graduating high school? Like how different will they see the world versus how we saw it, you know, pre-pandemic or pre-9-11 or pre-mass school shootings? Like there's a lot of that has shifted in our society in this, you know, this century compared to the 80s and 90s. And so with all of this, let's step back and let's review where we've come in this, in this amazing year. And we can choose to see this year as amazing, or we can choose to see this year as difficult or sad or whatever we ultimately decide, because we're choosing our emotions. When 
and this is sort of going to be a year in review and just a hodgepodge of discussing some topics that we've covered this year. And those who are not listening to this linearly, it is, you know, two days before Christmas um, in the United States where I live in Alabama. You know, it's December 23rd. It is the 23rd. And um, we've officially gotten into winter, and here comes we are, our nights are getting shorter. So we are um, we are now officially moving our way towards spring. For those of you in the southern hemisphere, you are now moving yourself towards fall. And let's review and let's think about how we've internalized this last year. Uh, I've taught before on this show. It's the model, and it was popularized by one of my um, mentors and coaches. Um, Brooke Castillo, she does a, a podcast called The Life Coaching School. I've been listening to her now for about four years. Um, she's one of the few shows that I listen to cons- like consistently. Um, and mainly, I'm just amazed by how she can continue to bring value to me as a listener, considering how much I've expanded my knowledge base on life coaching and and business coaching and, and you know career coaching, all levels of coaching. And she teaches this thing called the model, and it's where you take the, and it's CT FAR. It's, and if you've got a piece of paper handy, write down circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And it's in the show notes. I'll make sure I put CT FAR in the show notes. Um, it's circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And you take a circumstance, and that's a fact. Like you are listening to the podcast right now. Now, what your thoughts and your feelings are around it, whether I'm bringing you value, whether you're enjoying it, whether it's miserable, those are all your, those are all coming from thoughts and feelings. That's all subjective to your perspective. And then you have action and results. And so your actions are, are sparked by the thoughts and the feelings you have about the event that you're currently participating in. And then that gives you your results. So when you think about going into class and right, the, the, the circumstance, the actual objectionable fact is that class is at 9 a.m. You are sitting in class. You are, you are attending class. That is actionable. You are there. Your human body is there. Now, what thoughts you have about that class is going to evoke feelings in you. So if you don't like economics and you're sitting in an economics class at 9 a.m. on a Friday morning when you're hungover, your thoughts around that class are not going to be positive. <laughs> the feelings that are going to be evoked inside of you because of these thoughts, right? Probably going to be a bit on the negative side, miserable. Or you're not going to be into what the professor is talking about. And so therefore your actions could be checked out, not taking notes. Your results are you leave that class and you might as well not have even been there. You took no information in. Your results are that you didn't learn any new material. The results are that you're going to be less prepared for the test. Versus if the circumstance was I arrived in class and I'm sitting in this class and my thoughts are I got a good night's sleep, um, I went to bed early, I showed up early, I reviewed my notes, the feelings you'll have will be of confidence in the material, therefore your actions will be more focused and you're more deliberate, you'll be intentional in what you're doing in that class. And intentional in itself is a thought or a feeling, right? You can think you're being intentional, but are you or are you not? You won't know until you get to that action stage. Are you intentionally taking notes, intentionally asking questions? That gives you the results of getting up from that class and feeling like that was a productive hour of your day. And it's important to be able to go through this model 
in a way where you can separate your thoughts and your feelings from the actual event. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, I was in a miserable class, or this professor sucks, or this professor is boring. But that's a thought. The thought you have is that the professor talks slow, therefore the feeling you have is a bored. Whereas if somebody else who enjoys a professor who talks slow will think, wow, he's talking slow, he's being intentional with his words, I'm able to better take in this knowledge, therefore I have a feeling of confidence because I feel like I'm learning more because of the pace at which he's teaching the material. Action is to take better notes or whatever that is for that student, and then the results are a feeling of confidence in the material, a feeling of liking the class, and then we go back and, and now you find yourself back into the model, right? Where now you're leaving the class, that's the circumstance, and what are the thoughts and the feelings you have as you're leaving that room? A lot of people have this assumption that what they are thinking and feeling is a fact, and it's not. Your thoughts and your feelings are not factual. They are your perspective on what you are experiencing. And what you are experiencing is being influenced by your methods of thinking and feeling and your processes and your filters inside your brain. You want to think that you're in you know that this class is whatever this class is, but it is your perception. You are creating that perception. So if you go in and you say, I hate this professor, I hate this class, this is miserable, why do I have to be here? Those are your thoughts about a class. The class is the fact. The class is just economics. Whatever it comes after that is your thoughts and your feelings about economics. But it doesn't necessitate that it's true to anybody else but yourself. And you can just as easily decide that you're going to shift your thoughts and your feelings around this economics class. That I'm taking this economics class to, to fulfill my general requirements. And by fulfilling my general requirements, I'm able to more expeditiously um, get to my major, which is the classes I really came to college for. So you can just see the economics class as being another one of the steps towards what you're really wanting to be doing. And in order to be a person with good studious skills or time management skills or being able to study effectively, you're going to want to learn how to be a studious student, even if it's with material you're not excited about. Because out there in the quote-unquote real world, not everything about your job is going to be exciting. I don't enjoy rewriting copy on my website. I don't enjoy uh, figuring out my marketing materials. Those aren't things, I don't hate them, but I don't enjoy them as much as being on the microphone. I love being on the microphone. It's my sweet spot. It's my favorite thing I do every single week. But it doesn't mean that I can just not do the other things or then I just have a podcast, but I have no business. There's going to be things that are less enjoyable so then you want to begin to shift your thoughts and your feelings around those things that you perceive as being less enjoyable by finding out what your intention is for doing this certain activity, right? What is the intention that you have for taking economics? It's to get through it so you can move on to classes you really enjoy. But then if you're just trying to get through something, are you really paying attention to the material, 
there's a lot of really cool stuff to learn in these economics classes, supply and demand and supply chain theory and all this other stuff that I barely remember. It was one of the last classes I took to graduate. And it's one of the reasons I'm using it as my example is because I chose to step into that class being like, this is cool. It's sort of like a bit of a business class. Let's listen to what this person has to say. And it was actually all quite fascinating because economics is what fuels our entire planet. We, we, we take something, we produce something out of it, and then we sell it to somebody. It is the basis of our entire planet. Even this show, I take something, thoughts and information, I produce something, a podcast, and then I have something to sell on the back end, or you have something to consume on the back end, you have the podcast to consume, but then I'm also creating and producing coaching sessions. That, that is something else that you could consume. And it becomes this thing, right? We take the information, we take a supply, a piece of wood, we turn it into a chair, we sell the chair. And it was just fascinating learning all of this stuff in economics because it's happening all around me. So I just chose to take a class that I normally would not have been that interested in because I was a journalism major, TV production and things like that. This wasn't necessarily something that I needed to be focused on as much as I could have just been, just, just please, Lord, give me a C. But instead, I aced it because I found value in it by choosing to find value in it. And that's where your thoughts and feelings come from. If you have thoughts and feelings that are going to be more desirable for you around a circumstance, then your actions and your results are going to be fueled by that positive energy. Versus if you have a circumstance and you have negative thoughts and feelings, now your actions and your results are going to be fueled by those negative feelings. So you want to be mindful of where you're implanting your thoughts and feelings onto it, a factual event. Going home for the holidays, you left college, you went back to your home, you went somewhere for the holidays. Maybe you didn't go anywhere. What are your thoughts about that? Whew, I'm glad I'm not home dealing with my family, right? So now that gives you feelings of happiness because you're not back home arguing with them over the dinner table. All right, but then here comes Christmas Day, and now your thoughts are, I'm alone on Christmas Day, and now your feelings are of sadness, and you wish you could just transport yourself, teleport yourself straight home so you could be there with the family on Christmas Day. But two days prior, you were glad you weren't home because you didn't want to have to go to that one dinner anyways because your drunk uncle always makes a fool of himself, and you didn't want to have to deal with all that. But in and of itself, that dinner was just a gathering of people. That was the fact. The thoughts about the drunk uncle, the feelings you have toward the drunk uncle, the actions you would have taken with the drunk uncle would have led you to some particular result. You didn't want that result, so you stayed at college rather than go home. Whereas if you said, okay, my thoughts are is that the drunk uncle is who he is. My feelings are of sadness or bummed because this is how he chooses to behave in front of us. My actions are going to be to unite everybody else during the conversations, even whenever he's off saying, you know, crazy, insane things, which in itself are thoughts and feelings. Nothing is crazy or insane until you label it that way. And then you walk away with the results of, well, regardless of everybody else's behavior, I was intentional with my connections at this Christmas dinner. When you can start to see how your thoughts and your feelings have been attaching themselves to factual circumstances, events, in your life. Circumstance, event, all the, we're using those interchangeably here. A circumstance is I'm at class. A circumstance is I'm at Christmas dinner. A circumstance is I'm on this date. A circumstance is, you know, even the dates. It, it, did you clarify that? You could be thinking it's a date. The other person could be thinking it's a meetup. Until you have 
clarified and actionably agreed upon something. The circumstance is two people are sitting across from each other at a table. Now, what that what what each one of them is thinking about this moment of sitting across from one of sitting across from one another at this table. That's the thought. And then what feelings? If the other person thinks you're just hanging out, then their feelings could be of excitement to learn more about you. If the other person thinks that it's a date, their feelings could be of anxiety that they might say something that would make this person not like them. But either way, the factual event is two people are sitting across from one another at a table. Those thoughts and feelings will create actions. One person might be super chatty while the other one, since they're feeling anxious, is a little bit more um, disconnected or anxious. And therefore, they start to stumble on their words. And the results could be the other person doesn't understand why you couldn't get a clear sentence out um, because they're just excited about this fact that they're meeting up with you. You notice how this can be applied to anything in your life, that there are factual events right, that create thoughts, that trigger feelings, that will evoke actions, that will give you a result. That result becomes the new, right, the new fact, the new where you're at, the new circumstance that you are now dealing with, because that is the result that you have, right? You go home, you're sitting there on your couch, and you're replaying the date, and you're tearing yourself up about it. The result you had was that the date ended. That's factual. You want to be very mindful that you're looking for the facts of the circumstance and you're looking for the facts of the results. Because anything that you think or feel about the results is, again, subjective to your perspective. So the result is the date ended. The result is that you dropped them off at home, right? That's a fact. I dropped them off at the door. I did not kiss her. Okay, that's that's a fact. That's not a thought. Now, the thought you have around not kissing them at the door was going to evoke a feeling, which is going to give you some level of action. And that action could be sitting on the couch beating yourself up, or that action could be texting them and telling them how amazing the night was, and you can't wait for date two. But the results, we want to be very mindful, are also factual. Oh, I did horrible on the test. The result was that you took the test. Your thoughts are what become your feelings about the test. The result was took test. Circumstance is test was taken. Now, what are, what, you know, I got to see what are your thoughts around that? What are your feelings around that? That again is going to begin to shift this entire loop. And so I dove into that for this episode because we're going to be touching upon that a lot moving forward into 2023. That, this, that these circumstances are factual and that they create thoughts and feelings which provide you actions, right? Now, those results, again, become your new circumstance. Those become your new factual event, right? We want to be very mindful when we start attaching thoughts and feelings to the result because those, that's subjective, right? You might think you did horrible on the test because you got a C, but somebody who gets Fs all the time would have thought C was amazing. That's how you can know that it's a thought or a feeling because if it's something that is subjective to you, but somebody else might experience it differently, then it's a thought and it's a feeling. The fact is that a test was taken. Everybody, regardless of grade can agree that a test was taken. That's the factual accuracy of that statement. The results, right? Become your new fact. I got an A, I got an F. That is a fact. It is sitting there right in front of you. Regardless of what you think you should have gotten, the fact is this is what you got. 
That becomes your new circumstance. And now what thoughts do you have? I got an A, so my, my thoughts are this class is going in the right direction. I got an F, therefore my thoughts are is I'm going to fail this class. Now you're going to feel anxious when you go in there. Your actions might be of... Uh, because you have all this anxiety in you, maybe your actions are to not go to class as much because what's the matter? I already got an F versus the person who got an A who feel confident their actions are going to be to show up early, keep reviewing their notes, and then they're going to continue having the results of A's. The, you have to shift your thinking around the F and say, okay, my thoughts are is I let's let's review how I prepared and let's be more mindful of how I'm preparing for these future tests. Now I, you can have a feeling of hope by going and getting a tutor, by taking, you know, quote unquote better notes. Then you the action you take next time is to study the night before, make up flashcards. The result you have the next time is a B. Wow. You just went from F to a B. Now that's your new circumstance. You have this grade. What is your thoughts and feelings around that? And you notice how this becomes a loop and it's happening everywhere in your life. The garbage can's full and the roommates didn't empty it. The circumstance is that the garbage the garbage is full. Right? Even full could technically be a thought. Could you push it down more? Could there be more space? But you're looking at the garbage and the, there is garbage in the can. Your thought is it is the bag is too full. The feelings are I'm gonna uh, I'm feeling happy that I get to take out the garbage. But if you told your roommate to do it, there was garbage. Your thought was it's too full. You asked them to do it. They didn't do it. Now what's your feeling? Anger, disrespect. Right. Your action is to take out the garbage, but you're doing it with anger. The result could be that the garbage is out, but the next time you see your roommate, you yell at them. It's all based on a thought. You have no idea what was going on in that roommate's life until you ask them to find out if they had something better going on. And they may not have. And perhaps you didn't articulate how important it was they took out the garbage before they left for class. But the fact was there was garbage. Whether it was full and needed to be emptied or not, that was your thought. Did everybody agree on that thought? Is there a calendar for when the chores are supposed to be done? Did somebody miss something? Did somebody too busy with other things and preoccupied? Preoccupation, that's a thought. You can think somebody's preoccupied, but you don't really know because you're not living their life. So then you when you start to ask yourself, when you and generally, I'm going to say this about this whole loop. And I know I said we're going to do some review of the of the episodes, and we'll get to that in a moment. So I'll close it up on this. Is that Oftentimes, you'll find yourself at the feeling or at the action. And you, if you want to figure out how you got there, you reverse engineer it. So if the action, you catch yourself yelling at your roommate, right, about the garbage, then you reverse engineer it. The feeling you had was that they don't respect your boundaries. And the thought you had was, is that I, you know, um, I can't believe they didn't take out the garbage. And that all leads back to the circumstance that there's garbage in the can. That was the fact. Your thought and your feeling evoked that action of yelling at them. You could just have easily chosen a feeling of empathy of concern with what was going on in their life because they didn't take out the garbage, the thought could have been, well, I wonder what was happening in their life. Hmm, maybe something's, maybe there, maybe there's, maybe there's overwhelm. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe, they don't, maybe there's something happening. I, I should investigate this further. Now you have a feeling of curiosity and empathy and the action is talking to the roommate about why the garbage wasn't taken out instead of yelling at them. And so you can often find yourself at the action and then reverse engineer it to get back up to the thought that started this entire loop. Same thing with feeling. 
If you're sitting there and you're on your couch and you're feeling sad, then you want to reverse engineer it and ask yourself, what thought evoked this sadness? I'm not doing well in school. Okay, that's a thought, but that's subjective, right? Who says you're not doing well in school? The teacher, your parents, yourself, you're not getting the grades you want. Okay, I'm not not saying any of that's not necessarily true in as much as it's true to you in your head. But if you were previously a bad student and now all of a sudden you're getting B's, but they may not be A's, but you're doing better than you were. It's the thought you have around the feeling. That's what evoked it. So if you're feeling sad, ask yourself, what thoughts in my head right now are creating this sadness? And then what facts can I pull from those thoughts? Because those facts are facts, right? I didn't, I didn't get an A on the test. My thoughts are I'm a loser. The feelings are of sadness. The action is to go drink. The result is hungover, which is even less prepared for the next day of school. Versus a circumstance could be I took a test. The thought could be um, I didn't get as good of a grade as I wanted. The feeling could be of determination. The action be, could be to go study more. The result could be being better prepared for the next test. It's the thought you choose to have around the event, the circumstance that fuels the feelings and the actions that gives you your result. And you'll oftentimes find yourself, and I'll say this one last time before I move on, you'll find yourself at the action or the feeling. That's generally where most humans find themselves in this loop a lot. You're mowing the lawn. That's an action I had yesterday. What was the feeling? of um, inspired and determined to clean up the leaves. What was my thought? There's too many leaves in the yard and it's getting ready to rain and snow and I don't want all of these leaves as the base. I want to chop them up and turn them into mulch so that they can break apart and turn back into mud that can turn into grass in the spring. Because the, the factual event were there are leaves in my lawn. That was the fact. Not a lot. If I said there's a lot of leaves in my lawn, that's a thought. That that is that is me quantifying what I think about the leaves. That's a thought. That it's not necessarily fact. A lot of leaves, a little leaves. My next door neighbor who has not touched their leaves all winter, they have a lot of leaves. I just had leaves, but even that again is subjective to my perspective. So there was leaves in my lawn. I thought there was too many leaves. I thought the weather was going to be perfect to break these leaves apart. I thought, let's go turn them into mulch. The feeling was of determination to do this in two hours so I could get back to work. The action was to go mow and to be very precise and intentional with my behavior so that in two hours I could have done the entire lawn. The result was in two hours I was done with the project. Now that became a new fact. There are, there, there are less leaves, even less as a thought. There are, no, there are no longer leaves in my lawn. That's a fact. I look out there, there's no leaves, right? What's that thought I have of, of success? What's the feeling I have of, of feeling um, encouraged or feeling happy that I took on this task and now it's done? My action is I get to be inside the house where it's warm no longer working in the yard. The result is I now get to shoot a podcast. Do you notice after having gone over this multiple times to give you multiple examples, because I want you to write this down, circumstance, thought, feeling, action, result, and find out what the fact is. That's the circumstance. The thoughts and the feelings are your judgments upon it. Those are going to fuel your actions and they're going to give you results. If I hadn't mowed the lawn yesterday and gotten all the leaves up today, I could be doing this podcast. 
At the same time in my head, I could be thinking about how I didn't mow the lawn. My feelings could be of discouragement. Here comes the rain. The action could be of not being focused on the podcast. The result is you guys get a less than podcast because half my brain was thinking about leaves. But instead, I did the leaves yesterday, so now I'm 100% into this now. And as we begin to really dive more into this model in 2023, and we look back at all of these episodes that we've done, you know, you go back to the human needs of uh, what we talked about in episode 134, these unconscious communication drivers towards yourself, certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, contribution, personal growth. Right, Go back to 134. Touch into these. When you start to figure out what you want to do next year in your schooling, in your relationships, in your career, for yourself, what human needs are you seeking to have fulfilled? Then are these, are these being led by your adult ego or your kid ego? Because that's episode 135. Right, We have two different versions of ourselves. We have lots of different versions. But the kid and the adult ego are going to come to head a lot. Because there's that part of you that just wants to, you know, I don't want to work. I just want to bang on me drum all day. But as an adult, you have responsibilities. You have things that you want to take care of, that you need to take care of. There's bills to pay and there's responsibilities to adhere to. There's a calendar to stick to. And so when you start to argue within yourself about what if, is what I'm doing, what I should be doing, ask yourself, who's in charge of that moment? Your adult ego or your kid ego? You start to go back over to like episode 138 and when we discussed values, um, you can go back to episode 127 where we discussed the impermanence, that things are not permanent, that we think thoughts and feelings are permanent and we spiral on these. And I cannot help but point out that feelings are not permanent, that you have tens of thousands of them a day. On any given day, the average human will speak about 80 to 100,000 words. Let's just go with easy math here, 80,000 words. Studies have been done that say that the human mind shuffles through about 40,000 thoughts a day. And with those 40,000 thoughts come 40,000 feelings. Now, they might be similar feelings, so you don't notice this shift happening. But you're having these 80,000 words you speak, and these 40,000 thoughts create these other 40,000 feelings. And again, mostly similar Right, But the human mind ends up spiraling on the same 95% of information each and every day. We're just recycling thoughts and feelings from the day before. There's an impermanence to so much of this, but we're creating permanence by continually to spiral on them. It's like the idea of traumatic versus trauma. Things can be traumatic. Getting into a car accident is traumatic. Um, having somebody scream at you can be traumatic. It becomes trauma when we continuously go back to that moment in our mind and continue to relive it over and over and over again, further spiraling it into our subconscious, further screwing it in like a, like a screw into wood. You just keep spinning it and spinning it and tightening it and tightening it. If we could figure out ways, and this is what I coach people on, and this is what neuro-linguistic programming has helped me to do, is figure out ways to release these traumas so they don't stick around, to release the traumatic moment, to take the lesson from that traumatic moment, say, okay, this is what I can learn from this, and let's leave the sadness, the sorrow, the suffering back there with that traumatic moment so it doesn't become trauma. Traumatic moments do not have to become trauma. 
Somebody could scream at you at the grocery store and you could just be like, wow, that person's having a bad day. I hope that whatever's going on in their life is remedied soon because I feel empathetic towards this person's plight. They are clearly not in a good place. Nobody yells at somebody in the grocery store because they're having a good day. Or you could take that moment and you could internalize it and say, something's wrong with me. Why did they yell at me? Me, 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 me. I am bad. I am bad. Something's wrong with me. In reality, whatever happened, happened. The circumstance could have been your cart bumped each other. Your, your, your carts did collide. That was a fact. The carts hit each other, right? But the thought and the feelings could be completely different for two different people. So when you go and you start to hold on to these moments that maybe are traumatic in the moment, but do not have to become trauma. Some people could look at your childhood or my childhood or their own childhood and say, wow, other people might feel trauma around that. I took it as an opportunity to grow and be stronger. There's going to be, there's going to be unconscious programming, unconscious language patterns, all built up around this one memory from childhood. You know, the parents didn't get me a birthday cake when I turned seven. That could be trauma for one person, or or it could be a growth moment. It could be tra- it could be traumatic to both children. Wow, parents didn't give me a birthday cake. One kid goes in there and figures out a way to turn Oreos into a birthday cake and makes their own birthday cake. The other one sits there at the table and cries and doesn't think their parents love them. The loving of them is a thought, and feelings are evoked from that. But we don't really. That's not the circumstance. You're, you you think. Your parents don't love you is the circumstances, the factual evidence from them not getting you a birthday cake when you're seven, but that is not true. That was your thoughts around no birthday cake when I turned seven. There's an impermanence to these feelings and thoughts. And so often I'm noticing, even in myself, holding on to thoughts and feelings that are no longer serving me. Life is going to be a beautiful combination Castillo likes to say 50-50. Things are good 50% and bad 50%. And I have no reason at all to debate with that. Sometimes they're going to be awesome. Sometimes they're not going to be awesome. But life is 50-50. If there's the good and the bad, and we want it to to be that way. Because if everything is always perceived as good, then how do we even set a bar for good anymore? Now we got to keep raising our bar for good because we never felt bad? I love the bad. I love the bad because it allows me an opportunity to process feelings. It allows me the opportunity to go inward and say, why am I feeling this now? What is the thought that is fueling this now? How can I shift this to create a more desirable action so that I have a more desirable result? When we look at episode 127 and we talk about impermanence, too often we're making thoughts and feelings permanent and we're turning traumatic moments into trauma. Go back to 142, stimulus, choice, reaction, response, emotionally reacting versus emotionally grounded. Episode 142 is spot on when we discuss this. How are you internalizing your thoughts and feelings? And then are you reacting to those or are you responding to those? What are your habits? Go back to 143 and 144 and 145. Really dove deep into habits and morning routine and class flow and exercising. That whole... 140 part is just amazing stuff. Hell, there's even one about empathy there. So on college campuses and high school and in workplaces, we have empathy for others. Just because somebody shows up late doesn't mean that they're a loser. That's our thought about the fact that 
10 o'clock is the start time and this person came in after 10 o'clock. That's a fact. The thoughts and we feelings that we have without diving in deeper and asking them some questions and going and connecting with them, that makes us less sympathetic. The more empathetic we are, the more we are in tune with the thoughts and the feelings that we're having internally and asking questions toward the other person in order to really gauge what's happening in their life. And the more we engage it with other people and what they're experiencing, the more we're able to feel that empathy. We're able to shift our thoughts and our feelings. Oh, I can't believe that loser showed up late. Then you find out they got in a car accident while trying to rush their puppy to the vet. Now all of a sudden your thoughts are like, wow, that's so amazing you even came to work. Your puppy's at surgery at the vet and your car got totaled. Now your feelings are like inspired by how dedicated this person is to the job. But one minute prior, you thought they were a loser because they came in late because you didn't have all of the information. 153, 54, 55, we get into standards and morals and ethics and beliefs and opinions. 156, stop arguing and start listening. Like actually getting in there and learning about what is it people are going through in their lives. We get so detached from what's happening. That we, we assume we know everything that's going on in somebody else's life. But we don't. We don't know. We think we know. But we don't. We don't, because we're not asking questions. It's amazing. Go over to my stand store. It's available in my Instagram link over uh, on uh, um I think it's on my From Sobriety to Recovery page. I actually made an entire um, ebook for you guys about episode 156 called Stop Arguing, Start Start Listening. There's an old acronym to it. And you can go back and listen to the show. Um, your your, your um, adverse childhood experiences and the archetypes they crea- create, that's episode 157. If you really want to get to the root cause for a lot of your behaviors, you need to look no further than your adverse childhood experiences, which are the traumatic moments we're talking about that you implanted as trauma into your psyche at a young age. And now you're at this point in your life where you can have this kind of self-awareness and you can go in and you can clean this stuff up. This is the kind of stuff I help my clients with. Because there's a ton of books out there about time management and study this and do this, and it's all action-based, right? And But then we're, not, we're not tapping into the thoughts and the feelings we have about ourselves that are creating these actions. So we go to change actions, but we're not doing any work on changing the thoughts and the feelings that are inspiring and motivating the actions. We got to get inside of our head, figure out what the root cause is for this anxiety, for this stress, for this depression, for this sadness. We got to root it out and we got to work on it because it doesn't have to continuously be trauma, right? What happened to you in your life is not your fault, but healing it, processing it and moving through it, that is absolutely your responsibility. Stigma. If I can do it, so can you. There's a lot of people out there like, well, I figured it out. Why can't you? Because you're not me. Just because you did it doesn't mean I can immediately figure it out. I'm going to have my own process. I'm going to have my own way. And that's what this show's about, helping you find your way. I, can, I, I hear some of my peers say things like, well, you've got you to find out what works for you and do it that way. My caveat to that is whatever's been working for you clearly hasn't been working for you, or you wouldn't be looking for another alternative solution for it. So if you constantly get new information and then mold it to fit what you're already comfortable with, you're just taking new things but doing it the same way. 
finding things that figuring out what it works for you to me means learning it the way somebody's teaching it to you, integrating that into your life, and then slowly manipulating it to work more with perhaps your personality or your uh, mannerisms, but not changing the entire process at the core. Because otherwise, you're not really doing what the person taught you. When people say, you got to figure out what works for you, that's because in their minds, they'll take something and say, okay, well, I'm going to take out the pieces that work for me and I'm going to implant it into what I've been doing. But now you're in, it's like having badly written code. You can't just take other pieces of code and plop it into uh, bad code. You have got to rewrite the code. And whenever me or somebody else offers you a different style, a different way of doing something, if you just take out the pieces that you like and leave the pieces you don't, the pieces you like are the things you're already comfortable with. The pieces you're leaving behind are the parts that are stretching you, that are frustrating you, that are compromising your comfortability. Those are the parts you need the most. Don't just leave behind the parts that are difficult because it's in that difficulty where your growth will happen. It's in that confusion and frustration where you'll build new neural pathways and you'll actually grow. Otherwise, you're just doing the same comfortable thing you've always done and it's going to get you the same comfortable results you've always gotten. Even if those results aren't benefiting you even anymore, even if those results leave you on the couch feeling isolated and drunk, right? that's your comfort zone, isolated and drunk. You want to feel more expansive and sober. That's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be tough. But that's the point. Because you're causing your mind to create new neural pathways. You're causing your body to create new habits. You're creating a new life for yourself. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not. When we look at this year, I want you to sit down and on a piece of paper, start writing out some of the things that bother you about this year some of the thoughts and the feelings you've been spiraling on. And then go back to the circumstance that's triggering these thoughts and feelings and actually pull out the the actionable facts, the real facts, and separate the facts from your thoughts and feelings because they're not the same. And then the actions and the results that were fueled by these thoughts and feelings, you're going to start to notice when your thoughts and your feelings were desirable and positive, the actions and results you got were, were positive and desirable. And when you stepped into things with a negative, undesirable mindset, your thoughts and feelings fueled those kinds of actions and results. Start noticing where your actions and results are not leading you toward what you want to become through this experience of going to college or through this experience of taking on this new thing. Whenever you can start to pull out and separate your thoughts and your feelings from the facts, then your actions and your results can be directed. When you have actions that are directed through positivity and a desirable outcome, when you understand your why and your purpose, then you start to tap into those unconscious six human needs, which are very conscious to you now because I've pointed them out for so long. And when you can move through the clutter of your mind and actually separate what you believe versus what's actual fact, There's a clarity that comes with that. That clarity will increase your self-awareness, which will allow you to have a higher sense of self-management. Your social awareness, your relationship management, management will all increase because instead of judging these events and and 
imprinting and implanting your own thoughts and feelings on them, you can step back and say, well, this was the actual fact. This was the thought. Is this thought helping me? Are these feelings going to help me? Is there some clarification I could get by talking with this person? Can I go have a conversation with them and understand that the worst case scenario is you have a feeling a feeling you may not want of rejection, of a lack of self-confidence, of a lack of self-esteem, of a lack of something, of the worst case scenarios you feel. But the best case scenario is that you get to work through those feelings and you get to strengthen yourself. And the more you work through your feelings, the stronger you'll become. And one day you'll start to really understand and fully feel that feelings are nothing but water off a duck's back. You have 40,000 of them a day. Don't turn them into 100% of your thinking. All right, my friends. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate that and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Festivus for the rest of us and all of it. Um, For those of you listening to the show linearly, Christmas is in two days. For those of you not, I hope you took those words to heart. Sit down. Think about your circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Understand that feelings are just something you feel. They are not permanent. They can slide right off of your back if you choose for them to. Don't let traumatic moments become trauma in your life. Choose to process those emotions when you feel them. Ask the questions you need to. Because honestly, feeling emotion in the moment, that is expected. Feeling constantly going back to that memory and further screwing those negative emotions into your psyche over and over and over again. That is not expected. That does not have to be your pattern of behavior. Choose a new loop. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy. Don't forget to go and let other people know that you love this show. I could really, really, really enjoy um, knowing that I've reached more people. And let's hope that in 2023, I am coming to a university near you. Reach out to me on social media and let me know if you'd like for me to come speak at your university and I'll make that happen. As always, this has been an honor and privilege. I'll see you guys next week for our New Year's episode. Bye-bye. 